can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law, and I decide. Well, so I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Thank you for tuning in to the Removing Barriers podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm MCG. And we're attempting to remove barriers so we can all have a clear view of the cross. This is episode 134 of the Removing Barriers podcast. And in this episode, we will be looking at the redefinition of woman in today's culture. We'll be discussing something that is sensitive to young ears, so parental guidance is advised. And joining us in this episode as a guest host is MD. MD, welcome back to the Removing Barriers podcast. Thank you. And welcome to our new studio, Dino Studio. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> I'm impressed. Actually, you're the first in-person guest in our Dino Studio, so yeah, welcome. Thank you. I'm honored to be the first guest in your new studio. Great. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things Removing Barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. All right, MD. So in your own words, you said that you're seasoned, <laughs> right? So tell us, why it is such a difficulty or such difficulties in defining the word woman? I'm not so sure there really is a difficulty in defining it. I think the problem is that so many people have staked out a line in the sand and they've said, this is what I want to have happen. This is what stokes my emotions. And I don't care about facts because this is my position. So then when faced with fact, they have a choice. Do I emote or do I rational? If I emote, who cares about truth? It's just what I feel. But if I deal with the rational, then I have to look at how I feel and I have to say it is or it is not in line with scientific fact. I teach as a substitute science teacher. And I tell my students all the time that if you have to capitalize the science, those two words together, you're not talking about real science. You're talking about politics, you're talking about emotions, you're talking about opinions, you're not talking about science. Because science didn't change. Yeah, we learn more about science. All the time we learn more about things we thought were immutable. But the interesting thing is that in all of my lifetime, and I've been a scientist since I was, literally, since I was 10 years old, I've been studying science and practicing it. And the interesting thing is that nothing we've ever learned has negated what we held to be immutable. Rather, it's expanded on it. It's added to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, MD, I would agree with you. I think 
when you go to, as you said, the capital T and the capital S in their science, you're bringing in politics. And because of that, we have politicians, we have journalists, we have influencers, quote unquote, that are pushing their own agenda and pushing stuff down our throat, saying, hey, this is the definition we're going by. And I think you hit the nail on the head by bringing in emotions, because I think that's where it come down. It come down to a feeling. And I would agree with you as well that I'm not quite sure there are any difficulties in defining it, except, you know, if you watch Matt Walsh, What is a Woman documentary or movie, as you call it, it seems like there are some difficulties in defining it among some group of people. But before we even get to the definition, how did we get here? What do you think lead up to this point? Because as a boy growing up, I can't remember anyone had any difficulties defining woman or even ask the question, what is a woman? It's almost like asking, what is a human being? Because people look at you like, are you dumb or are you... You know, there's no dumb question, but it almost come across as a dumb question. There are dumb questions. Okay, well, <laughs> I won't argue that point, but it almost come across that way, at least. It's like you're looking at something that's red and you're asking, what is red? I don't know if what I'm trying to explain here makes sense, but it seems like that's where we are today. So how did we get here from the 80s and the 90s to now we're asking a question, what is a woman? I think the way we got to where we are is when we overturned the norms that existed before. I grew up with a lot of teenagers who didn't believe in God. They didn't believe the Bible. They didn't know the Bible. But every one of them had a concept of God, had a concept of morality, had a concept of biblical or spiritual law that no matter how lawless they may have been, still gave them guides, gave them borders, gave them fences. Most of them pushed the fences. I probably did myself at times. But despite all of that, those questions you were just mentioning were not questions we had to ask because they were on the other side of the fence. I think what happened in the 80s and the 90s and subsequent to that in a greater amount and now in an, an onrushing avalanche is that we decided we don't want barriers, we don't believe in barriers, we have no logical reason for barriers. Interestingly enough, the kids I went to high school with in debate classes pushed the question, why do we have these barriers? And they drove the logic to the point of cracking. My only answer at that point had to be because God gave them to us. I was asked quite a few times by kids I went to school with, why do you believe this law to be a good law? Don't murder people. My answer was because our Constitution was based on biblical principles, and God said, thou shalt not kill. That's a pretty simple answer. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they said, but I don't believe in God, they became unmoored. And I think that's where we have gotten to as a society. We become unmoored. And so now we're coming back around to it where people are pushing back against that lack of mooring and saying, wait a minute, wasn't there a fence here before? Wasn't there a barrier here before? Wasn't there a roadway here before? And then now it's all trackless waste. What are we doing? And we're to the point where we are having a very difficult time finding our way back even to where those barriers were, let alone finding those barriers. Mm. You know, let me shoot it to you, Jay. 
how do you think we got to where we are today, where we're having difficulties, you can put that in quotation marks, defining women? I would second what MD is saying when we remove the Bible as our foundation, as the underpinning. We have no anchor, and so we are like the astronauts are in outer space. We're just floating, and we have no gravity to anchor us down. But I also think that when we allow ourselves to define what reality is, you're going to end up with a ton of opinions. We've allowed feminism to try and define what woman is. We've allowed the church, and by the church I mean any kind of religious body that would seek to define woman according to, maybe there's a quasi-biblical underpinning, but then there's a lot of other stuff attached to it, and they say, okay, this is what woman is, this is the role of woman. We've allowed everything but the Word of God alone to define what woman is, and so we kind of get here. And we also get here when Christians are afraid to stand up against the culture and say, thus saith the Lord. I think perhaps people who have the truth are afraid of being labeled as bigoted or as narrow-minded, prudish dinosaurs, as some people are described in the documentary that Matt Walsh put out. So because of the fear of man, people who have the truth are afraid to stand up and say, no, this is a line, this is a barrier, this is a fence, this is a standard that we can't violate, that we can't, there's no negotiating, this is where it ends. There's something called the Overton window. And so I think that Christians have allowed the Overton window to be pushed so far to the left that definitions don't even mean anything anymore. What does woman mean? What does man mean? What does left mean? Right, center. What does any of that mean? We've allowed the window to shift so much. Those are a few of the reasons how I think we got here. Yeah, I hearken back to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19, where the Bible says, whose God is their belly. I think we live in a culture today where the God is their belly. And to translate that into how we will say today is that whose God is their emotion. And we live in a society where truths and facts are driven by emotion. That's why we have statements like your truth and my truth, because our emotions about a situation might be different that I might have my truth and you might have your truth and it no longer something that is grounded. The truth is the truth. There's no such thing as your truth, my truth. It's no longer that. It now is my reality, your reality, regardless of what the true reality is. It creates an environment where we see. I'm thinking about Matthew 5, verse 13 to 14, harking back to what you're saying, Jay, is that Christians are no longer the salt and the light that they should be, meaning we're not evangelizing the way we should. We're not living the way we should. We're not distinguishing our lives from theirs, being salt, being light, pointing them to Christ. So I think that has a lot with what we've seen. How did we get here? We Christians, Christians that are not following Christ. I guess at that point, they're not Christians, but at least they have the name Christian. And we have a generation growing up. Talk about my generation, your generation, Jay, and Gen Zs. Basically, everything is driven by the emotions. They're very emotional. Look at these folks that go about and throw urine at the entrance of big businesses because of climate change or go and stop the highway or whatever. Oh, we'll, and they we'll go into museums of, and throw paint right, on Right, because of climate change. Pieces, it's yeah. all emotions. They're driven all by the emotions because when you put them in a debate or situation for them to explain 
what are they doing and how are they going to win people and influence people to even to come over to their cause? They're not even being logical. They're not even trying to say, okay, if we get rid of this fossil fuel, you know, what are we going to replace it with? How are we going to survive? What about people that live in cruel climate? They have little or no answer to these things, but they're all emotions. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're here where we are today. And another thing I think that also caused us to get where we are today is the LGBTQIA movement. Once they were asking for simply tolerance. Then they change and they start asking for acceptance. And now I believe that they're now asking for preeminence, saying, hey, because I'm a minority group, because I'm a part of this whatever community, I am one step above the rest. And I want this preeminence. If you look at it, even companies, society, for some reason, if you're part of the LGBTQIA community, it's something to be celebrated and to be singled out. I've been in company meetings, like, you know, company-wide meetings where they're introducing someone and this person is a proud member of the LGQB. Like, who cares? You know? It's like a defining characteristic yes. of theirs. So how did we get here? Because the LGBTQIA+, that's a mouthful, <laughs> community, they once they were acting for simply tolerance. Then they start acting for acceptance. And when we give them the tolerance, when we give them the acceptance, now they act as a preeminence. And that's what is the degradation of the culture and of the society is one of the reasons why I believe that we are here where we are today. Well, it's a long chain of sins that lead to this type of putrefication of the society, this rotting of the society. I sternly believe, and I still believe this, that the reason why LGBTQ came to any kind of prominence is because of the sins of the heterosexuals. So if promiscuity, fornication on the heterosexual side was so rampant, and so the people who have desires that are aberrant, they are looking at it like, well, if they can do that, why can't we? Why can't we be prominent? And so you go from fornication to, and Romans actually details the process explicitly. It starts out with a tolerating of sin. And then when that blooms, it gives way to other aberrant sins that'll just keep going on. Sin is never satisfied. It'll just keep going on until you have a complete destruction. As our pastor always says, that when the devil gets through with you. He wants to shred whatever looks of God to the point where you don't even know what was there before. And so, as you already said, that the failure of Christians to be that salt and light has allowed for this proliferation of putrefication. Going back to that topic of Christians being the salt, it's just always been really interesting to me growing up as a California beach kid. I did a lot of swimming and I swam with cuts, with, you know, some pretty serious cuts sometimes. Salt water causes a styptic effect. It also hurts a lot, but salt tastes good. So if you think about it, there's almost a delicious irony in that, but then you look at what you've talked about, the loss of the Christian stand for right, for morality, and I think you've very ably mentioned reasons why, and Jay, especially that last, the immorality that leads to also Emotional blackmail. What do you mean by emotional blackmail? Well, you say we LGBTQ are bad, but look at you. Oh, right. I see what you're saying. Okay. And if you tell me I'm bad, I'm going to out you. So what do we do? We back up. We fall back. But if you think about it, the emotionalism of today, and this is speaking from somebody who's, you both know, much older than either of you, I don't really do social media very much. And I really don't care very much what people think. And I really don't need to have total strangers tell me how wonderful I am. 
And yet that's what I see among so many younger people nowadays. So the result becomes for the Christian who is going to stand up for what's right and not deliberately rub salt in the wound, but nonetheless salt the wound. Oh, they won't like me. I can't yeah, do that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest contributors to that total lack of a stand on the part of Christians. I think I'm did touch on an excellent point there because we can't discount or we can't fail to mention the effect that social media and the algorithmic presentation of things on social media, what effect that has on young people and on what the society is talking about. I have nieces and nephews, two of whom just graduated this year. And it's interesting that when I spend time with them, they are glued to that rectangle in their hand. They are constantly on that thing. And so, of course, social media will show you what's trending and they will show you what they want you to see according to what the algorithm says everyone wants to see. So you have a generation of young people who grow up and they are shown all of these different things and they are manipulated algorithmically to either accept or acquiesce to this agenda, to this idea of a fluidity of gender roles and of gender identity and of gender this, gender that, LGBTQIA, climate change. All of those different things are algorithmically being pushed down our throats, not to mention what Hollywood is. So the algorithms do what Hollywood has been doing for all of these decades, just mm -hmm. much more efficiently and much more effectively because of the prevalence of social media. So commenting on that, put a 30-year barrier between my upbringing and current. I grew up where the closest I had to a social media was what kids in my high school or kids in my elementary or my middle school had to say. I really didn't know what anybody said 20 miles from me, let alone in another nation. And so I really didn't care. I think I may have commented in another podcast that when I worked for the federal government, my coworkers who were pretty much hive-minded, they were all city people, they were all used to social media, they were literally afraid of me when I said the happiest week of my life was deer season when I sat on the backside of a mountain with my rifle over my knees and didn't see another human being. <laughs> and they thought I was going to go postal on them or something because that's so antisocial. Mm -hmm. And I'd look at them and I'd say, but my generation grew up comfortable in our own skins. We don't need to go to other people and ask for their permission to be us. We are us. That's what we are. What you see is what you got. Most of the young people I know nowadays, when I talk to them, like you, Jay, it's glued to the, the iPad, the iPhone, whatever. Most of them have no concept of just being themselves and letting it come as it will. It's got to be, well, what's everybody else doing? I need to be doing that too. I ask them why, and they don't have an answer. They can't tell me why they need to be doing that. But I think that that leads to, in a tremendous way, what MCG commented on, that you do what you're told you're supposed to do. And since, as you, Jay, said, you know, the algorithms are manipulating them, what you're told to do is go along and get along mm -hmm. and shut up if people disagree with you. Yeah, but also look at the shift, though, because Jay and I don't have cable. And you, as I say, you're seasoned, but do you have cable, though? I don't think in my entire life I've ever watched a program on cable, and I don't watch TV. Right. So if you look at the shift that is going on today, because, you know, if you go to, like, what's before millennials? Um, uh, boomers? Not boomers. There's another one. 
Oh, I would not be the one you'd want to ask that. My grandkids oh, yeah, ask me. You know when... what? Yeah, there's boomers, and then there's a generation, then there's millennials, right? I, right. Let me. That generation is the last generation that get most of the news from cable TV. Are you talking about going up to your generation? You'll be a baby boomer. You'll be a boomer, right? I don't know. Yeah, what, what... Definitely a boomer. Yeah, you're a boomer. <laughs> I so suppose. Gen X, I mean, I've never so known what that is. It's Gen, Gen X. X. So boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z. And then alpha. Alpha, yep. So <laughs> the, the boomers <laughs> and the Generation X, talking about the generation that they have cable. They use cable, right? But if you notice, the Gen Zs especially, they don't go to the Fox News and the CNN and sit down and watch those. They get the news from Twitter and from Facebook and from TikTok now is the big thing and YouTube especially. And that's where, going back to the algorithm, I don't like to call it algorithm, but mm-hmm. going back to the algorithm, that's where these people are getting the news from. And I'm going to bring up this name, Dylan Mulvaney. Mm. Dylan Mulvaney is a... May I wretch now? <laughs> <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney is a biological man who said that he transitioned from a biological grown man to a girl, and he did one year of girlhood. He has 8 million followers on TikTok. And I read today that he has made more than $3 million in vendors who are supporting him, paying him for his time. There's a term for that. Sponsors? Sponsors, Mm -hmm. yeah. like College football players get them all the time. (laughs) Yeah, 2 or $3 million worth. And I'm thinking, I thought, okay, so if I faced Dylan Mulvaney and I said, so what? I'm sure his answer would include, well, you don't even know what it's like to have two or three million dollars. And I'm sure my answer would include, and I don't care. Yeah, but the point I'm getting at is this, that that's where this generation is getting their news from. Because most of his followers are actually teenagers. Sure. So what does that do? for the generation coming up, if they're following a man who's putting on woman face and saying, hey, I'm a girl. I'm a girl. Yeah. So how did we get here? What does social media have on this? Dylan Mulvaney is the prime example right there. Sure. And we can go on and on and on because we have famous basketball players, retired, who are allowing their son to transition into a girl and think that they should be celebrating. Preeminence, tolerance, acceptance, preeminence. Sure. Dylan Mulvaney was a no-name theater actor that, I guess I could say, struggling to make it on Broadway. And now he has 8 million followers. And mm-hmm. he has, I'm surprised he's only $3 million, but... Well, it didn't say three. It just said several, few, a few million. Okay, so... It was deliberately vague. So, yeah, I mean, you can make it any number you like. I don't think it matters much. But, yeah, but, yeah, but that, my point is, how did we get here? Why did social media have to do with it? Just look out there. You will see it because that's what it's doing. Because as Jay said, these young people with this phone in their hand and stuff like that, that's what they're consuming. That's what's popular. That's what yeah. is trending. That's what's trending. That's what's popular. And so they feel like they have to do it. And so there's like this feedback loop. There's this loop going on where oh, this is what everybody's talking about. This is what I have to do to be popular. This is what I have to do to be successful, like Dylan Mulvaney, let's say, for example. And they don't realize that Dylan Mulvaney is someone, I don't think he's genuinely 
trans. He might be, but I don't think he's genuinely trans because the caricature that he portrays of women and of girls, he's making fun of them because he had this thing where he went out into the woods as a girl, like day something. He did a, was it a hundred days of girlhood? A year of girlhood. A year of girlhood. And he went into the woods. He went hiking, but he went hiking in like heels. and like, heels. Right. Just stereotypical girl stuff. And no girl goes hiking in heels. I don't, I mean, even your most girly girl is not going hiking in heels, but they don't. Not successfully. Not anyway. successfully, but he's presenting this caricature of what he deems to be popular or trending in the world today. And then young people who are living in the simulated reality called their cell phones and social media are looking at that and thinking, oh, that's what I have to be. And so the, what is it when you're like completely crazy out of your mind? There's a word for it. I forget. It's not paranoia when there's like mass confusion. I forget. What is the word? Psychosis. Well, maybe. Yeah. The mass psychosis proliferates and it just feeds into itself because of social media, because of, it's almost like being on a hamster wheel. Yeah. That's part of what we see happening. Of course, everything that we mentioned before has set it up perfectly to where that's where we are right now. Yeah. So I think we should ask the question to MD and get an answer. <laughs> so the redefinition of woman is today's culture. Why is there such difficulties in defining woman? How did we get here? What role does social media play? But let's answer the question. MD, what is a woman? I can only answer that question in terms of what God says in the Bible, which we're all able to do, and in scientific terms. So I gave a lot of thought to how to approach this, one, without being unnecessarily offensive, but two, being technically accurate. And some people will probably find offense in the technical accuracy. So when you look at the human body, gender not specified, there are several very clear systems in the body that allow us to sustain the life God gave us. So we have the physical structure, we have the bone structure, which is what gives us the ability to be an upright bipod, to walk, to swing our arms, to pick things up. Musculature, which allows us to lift, to flex. We have blood in our circulatory system. We have some things that are very unique to a woman and very unique to a man in most of those systems. And then we have DNA and chromosomes. Mm -hmm. Chromosomes come in X's and Y's. Men have two X's, women have X's and Y's. An X and a Y, excuse me. You only have two chromosomes. I think you have it reverse. It could well be. You know, I haven't dealt with that in so a, long. A woman has two X's and a man has an X and a Y. Ah, okay. All right. <laughs> let's get it right because... <laughs> yeah, let's. Let's. Because otherwise we're not defining it very well. That's true. So a woman has two X's and a man has an X and a Y. Yeah. If you look at the marrow of the bones, if you look at the blood, if you look at the tissue, you will find clear incontrovertible evidence this was either a woman or was a man, is a woman or is a man. No amount of surgery, no amount of chemistry can change that. And one of the biggest reasons that nothing can change that is because in the bone marrow, which by the way can be changed, but in the bone marrow is the coding that generates the T cells, which are the beginning of every cell in the body. And those T cells carry the DNA and the chromosomes. They are present. They are there. You can change the DNA. You can't change the chromosomes. Changing the DNA is an excruciating process, but I was talking to someone who 
would have had to have that done, except her non-Hodgkin's lymphoma got cured it without a bone marrow transplant. But just a month ago, I read a book by a doctor who was talking about that bone marrow transplant, and it literally changes. It takes all of the individual's DNA completely away and replaces it with the donor's DNA. And ever after, those two people will have identical DNA. But if one was a man and one was a woman, they'll still have the same X or Y chromosome pairs. Never changes. So the coding determines. And unless you don't believe in God as a creator, or even intelligent creation, because at some point, even an intelligent creation maven gets to this point, unless you don't believe in those things, that coding isn't going to change. So in what creates every cell in the body? So let's talk about some of the cells in the body, bone cells. Mm -hmm. Architect, not architects, Oh, I'm trying to think. I'm losing words tonight. <laughs> but the people who do the excavations of ancient societies. Oh, archaeologists? Archaeologists. Find bones. And even if those bones are four, five, six thousand years old, as long as they are intact, as long as they have not totally deteriorated, they can look at those bones and they can incontrovertibly state that was a man or that was a woman if they find a pelvic bone. Because men do not have a bifurcated pelvis. They do not have it. God never made us that way. We didn't need it. That's an extremely unique situation for women. If the person they find only died recently, so their soft tissues have not deteriorated, they're going to find a uterus. They're going to find egg production system. They're going to find the channels. They're going to find all of that in the soft tissues. Not going to find that in a man. So let me push back a little bit on that and ask you this. A lot of chance men have gone to surgery where they literally crack their pelvis to have a wider pelvis. Seriously? They have done penile inversion to create a pseudo-vagina, so to speak. Can you still prove scientifically that this person was a biologically male? A bone that is generated at birth and mm -hmm. a woman's pelvis is generated at birth just like a man's is goes through a process of generation of smoothing, of softening, of rounding as needed to the point that there is a very clear, these bones never were one bone. They were separate. Crack a man's pelvis, and you are going to have, no matter what you do, now you may get calcification of that bone, so you may not be able to just look at it and say, yeah, these two pieces were together. They may not fit quite that well. But chip away what is not bone, i.e. the calcification process, and what you'll get will be two relatively jagged edges or maybe glass smooth if they were cut with appropriate tools. But they're going to fit by size, by cross-section, by everything that fits together. There's still going to be this was one bone or that was two bones. Still identifiable. Mm -hmm. And personally... I cringe when I think about anybody, a man, wanting to do that. <laughs> you both know I broke my wrist last year. I went through six months of really, really, really intense pain while I was in recovery. I have a two-inch steel plate in my wrist. I can't imagine anybody willingly doing that for any reason. And then I think about my pelvis and the physical structure it provides to my ability to walk 
to my ability to lift, I'll be 69 years old at the end of this month. And I still routinely roll and wrestle with three and 400-pound chunks of oak when I'm splitting firewood. If someone had broken my pelvis, I can tell you for a fact I wouldn't be able to do that anymore. Mm. And that really has nothing to do with this issue, except it's just hard for me to fathom someone willingly doing that for any reason. Well, they want to have a pelvis or shape of the woman. Well, the deception has to be really, really yeah. deep. This is the Removing Barriers podcast. We will be right back. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Removing Barriers podcast. Did you know that you could find us on Twitter, Gab, Parler, Facebook, and Reddit? Go to removingbarriers.net slash contact and like and follow us on social media. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. Jay, what is a woman? As the token woman on this episode. <laughs> the token woman. Okay, so... The basic answer is, MD said it, it's an adult human female, right? That's basic. I don't know what y'all want me to say. That's what a woman is. But it's very interesting that when we talk about what the Bible describes what a woman is, there's so much more there. This is something that the left has right, and I put right in quotation marks, because they like to say, they like to emote and say that being a woman is not just your biology or your physiology. It's how you feel. It's how you this, that, or the other. They're not wrong because women are very, very, very different from men, just in so many ways, emotionally, in so many ways. So if we want, we can be kind of snarky and say, what is a woman? It's an adult human female. And that's very true. But we should also account for the spiritual differences, the emotional differences between men and women. There's no need to try to differentiate in terms of intelligence, because I think it's been proven that men and women are generally on the same level when it comes to intelligence. But in terms of emotion, in terms of our ability to perceive that which is not tangible, and I don't mean in a voodoo, hoodoo kind of way, I just mean in terms of feelings and personal relations, women are obviously much more in tune, that nurturing side. That all yeah, that but I think that's beyond the definition of a woman, though. No, I'm well, not... if you're saying that, okay, if we're saying that what is a woman and then we're saying, okay, it's an adult human female, and that's true, we also need to realize that the Bible, when God created Adam and Eve, right? He didn't create Eve from the ground. He took a rib from Adam's side and formed her. So I think that's special because he wasn't just creating her physically. He was also creating her in terms of her role and in terms of how she relates to the man. And when we define woman, womanhood, that also needs to come into play because what feminism did was rage against that part of woman, the part of woman that God has declared is to be a helpmeet for man, biological man. The woman is to be, I heard many preachers Help say- me to her husband, though. Let's to make her it husband, of course. Let's make it clear, of course. <laughs> I'm not saying that a woman should just go be help me to any random guy. I'm not saying that. But I think the reason that's important is because one of the key destroyers of the definition of womanhood is feminism. And that's what feminism was raging against. And so it's probably very important for us to identify what did God say a woman is as well, if that makes sense. If I could offer two anecdotes from in my past. We were over in Japan and there was a lady, and I'm not using the term loosely, she was a lady, but she was early in the women's liberation movement and she raged. She didn't seem to be very happy at all, ever. 
And one day we were down in Tokyo at a restaurant. And as we were walking through the door of the restaurant, she and my wife were behind us and I held the door for them. And my wife stepped through the door and thanked me. She grabbed the door out of my hand, slammed it in my face, and then opened it for herself. I don't know how her relationship with her husband worked. I knew him pretty well, but I just didn't know them that well. And she didn't seem happy at all. So fast forward, seven years, we come home from Japan. We're in a little church down in Florida, and I'm getting ready to be a bus driver at the church. And the bus director leads me to my bus, and he tells me, here's your bus director and your bus captain. And it was a young lady named Marianne. And my wife and I were just talking, and Marianne overheard us, about that incident in Tokyo. And Marianne said, would you like to know my definition of a liberated woman? Now, we're talking, the first woman was in her 30s, and her husband was a military officer. Marianne was probably 24 and probably just graduated college. And at first, I was afraid to hear her definition. But I said, sure. And she said, a liberated woman is a woman who can do anything she needs to do, but doesn't have to. And I thought about that, and I thought, and Marianne was such a happy young lady. And I thought about that, and I thought, that really is liberating. It really is free. Someone does it for you because they love you, because it's their role, because they like their role, and you don't have to do it for yourself. And I know that my wife was moved in the same way by Marianne's comment. We liked it. But women's liberation has, as I think you kind of alluded to a little while ago, so raged against the man in any position that a lot of men I know have backed completely away from being the provider, the protector, father, the guide, the rule suggester, at risk of saying rule maker. But they backed away from it so far, they become totally disengaged. And I think the net result of that is something we haven't talked about, but I think a lot of where our confusion comes in, the net result of that is that so many marriages never get formed because why get married? We just have fun without it. Or worse, get formed, have kids, and the man says, yeah, I'm done, I'm out of here. Because he's got no role. Because feminism destroyed the role. That's an interesting concept because I do think that feminism was or is their precursor to transgenderism, at least the way we are seeing it today. I because, believe so too. Because women have been saying for years, I can do everything a man can do. I can be a man in my own right. I don't need a man. And then now men are coming and saying now, oh, I can be a better woman than you are. And they decided to go I would transition. argue that that's probably a bad statement, but you're probably right. That's probably where a lot of that comes from. But in my mind, I still want to beg the question, we are the feminists in today's culture. Because if you're telling me someone like Dylan Mulvaney and this guy with the health, what's his name again? He worked for Biden administration. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. remember his name. Her. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name either. Yeah, it's a man, so that's why I say his. But I'm not going to... Oh, that's right, that's right. A man who claims to be a woman, not the other Rachel, way Rachel Levine. That's it, yeah, yeah. Basically, so we're the feminists saying, hey, these are men who are claiming to be women and taking and getting what the feminists have fought for. What these men have achieved as quote-unquote women 
It's exactly what the feminists have been fighting for for years, saying that women need to get these things. Then we have man coming in and basically saying, hey, I'm a woman and I'm going to show you that I can achieve these things as a woman. Interesting that you bring that up because less than a month ago, I actually saw that referenced. It was a conservative news organization that a well-known, very prominent feminist woman, pro-lesbianism, stated to be, made that observation, and particularly about Dylan Mulvaney, because he's made such a mockery of womanhood. But the interesting thing is that even on the conservative side, I saw that person referred to one time, and I've never seen reference to that statement again. So I agree with you. The feminists may not be making a lot of noise, but it may be that even what noise they are making is being muffled by the press. That's true, too. Definitely. There are a handful speaking out, but they are certainly in the minority. Well, I'll make it clear. I'm not in agreement with the feminists. I'm just simply saying it seems like it's contradictory at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so. absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, so a woman is an uh, adult human female or an adult human with XX chromosome. And with very distinct physical structure and some of the organs I didn't even mention, you know, men cannot produce milk. Men cannot breastfeed. I don't care what guy says he can. Did you see the viral picture? Well, I saw it on, what's her name? This swimmer. Oh, what's his name? William Thomas? No, no. No, Leah Thomas is the guy who swims. You're talking about, I can't remember what her name is now, but she was the female swimmer. That swim against him. Who has, yes. The woman that won. Riley Gaines. That's Riley Riley Gaines, Gaines. yeah. And she is ferocious about that against him. I saw it on her feed where she posted a picture with a person who appeared to look like a woman breastfeeding. And she said, this is child abuse. When you dig a little bit deeper, it's a man holding a baby quote-unquote, again, parents' guidelines is advised, is a man holding a baby to his breast, quote-unquote, breastfeeding a baby with a caption saying, this is the last time I can breastfeed because apparently they're going for cancer treatment or something. I don't know if it was breast cancer treatment or what. So I say all that because you talk about certain autonomy. And, of course, I agree with you scientifically, but many, many, many of the transgenders today have had their bodies and have doctors create those autonomies that at least have outward portion of it, whether it is putting breast implants so they have breasts, whether it is, as I said, penile inversion so they have the woman, well, at least they're, I don't know if it's the physical structure of a woman right. reproductive system, of right. course, we know it's not real. Well, and when and I say men can't breastfeed, I don't care what they say. I'm talking about the, the lactation the lactation process and the glands that men just don't have to produce milk. Right. And I fully agree with you. I just want to make that clear because even the thing that happened in June of 2023 where this transgender man, well, is a woman, transgender woman, biological male, exposed their breasts or their chest. At the White House. At the White House. Yeah. And... I didn't know that person was not a biological woman because the person have breasts, the person have hair, the makeup, whatever case may be. And I never knew the person before. Just by just an outward glance of this person, 
if you don't know, you will say that's a woman. So, and this is not a total non sequitur. Hollywood has been doing things like that oh, for yeah. longer than I've been alive. That's what the entertainment industry is. But do you realize that in Burbank, California, there was a bomber production factory and an airport that literally had an entire city built on top of it to hide it? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. Most people don't know it, but you can look it up. It's historical fact. Mm. And so the point would be, never mind what it looks like. The question is, when you get down to it, what is it? Yeah, that's why I would stop and say, hey, a woman is an adult human female or adult human with excess chromosomes. I wouldn't probably go into the different hardware that they may have or not have because it seems like you can order them from Amazon these days. So, <laughs> But not functional. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I can put a V8 engine on my skateboard. That doesn't make it a running V8 engine. <laughs> well, that's true. All right, so... I'm going to go through some of the popular definitions of woman and tell me why or why not, why you agree or disagree with the definition. So the first one I have for you, MD, and Jay, you can chime in as well. Mm-hmm. Woman is an adult human whose subconscious sex is female. Do you agree with that definition or disagree with that definition? There is no subconscious sex. <laughs> there is a... What mean? Physical sex. And you're born with it. So I disagree with that. (laughs) I disagree with that. With what I just said? No, 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 no. With that definition. Because I don't know. What does that even mean? What does subconscious sex even mean? That's like, what? Subconscious is a part of the brain or the mind that you're not aware of. Yeah, but how could you... If you're not aware of it, how could you claim to be that whatever? Disagree. Disagree. That's a big disagree right there. (laughs) That's a hard no. (laughs) That's a hard no. (laughs) All right. A woman, an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have different sex at birth. No. No, no, absolutely not. Biologically, no. The DNA didn't change. The chromosomes didn't change. And I don't care how much you cut and shape bone and all the other stuff. I don't care how much you take away or how much you try to add. It ain't functional. And that definition fails. But what about the biological woman who may have uh, stuff that are not functional as well because of age or because of sickness or whatever? Natural processes, not a mental issue. I happen to be married to a lady in that situation. I have two sisters who were in that situation. I can tell you that they understand it was inevitable it was coming, but that doesn't mean that they decided that they're men because they no longer have those functions happening. They still know their structure. They still know what they are. And it wasn't up to me or any other guy to tell them. They know. Why do you disagree with that definition, Jay? Uh, For every reason that MD brought up, absolutely. There is no such thing as identifying as a different gender or a different sex. I know that they think that gender and sex are, are two different things, but there's just no such thing. We're in the emotive realm right now. We're in la la land right now. That's just not real. And I don't want to say that so as to dismiss people who are genuinely wrestling with this, because I do believe that there are people who genuinely wrestle with this. If God is not your foundation and you're living in a society where God and the word of God is not the foundation, young people are going to suffer. They're going to wrestle with this sort of thing. So I don't want to sound dismissive and and insensitive in any way. 
because there are people genuinely dealing with this type of thing. But reality is reality. You can't just identify. You can't do that. All right. The last one. Woman. A person who identifies as a woman. For the majority of them, that works. But Leah Thomas is not a woman. I don't care how many times he says he is. And he identifies as a woman. So person who identifies as a woman, no, I'm sorry, that lets an awful lot of skunks in under the fence. (laughs) Jay? I agree. As I said before, you can't just identify as a woman. You actually have to be a woman. And it's very interesting that People who have bought into this ideology are bending over backwards and reacting quite forcefully to make us accept them for who they are, and they will not accept themselves for who they are. These are people that need prayer. These are people that need the gospel. They need discipleship. They need the Bible. They need Christ. They need Jesus. I'm a bit surprised none of you touch on the circular reasoning there. Woman, a person who identifies a woman, but is a woman. You're using the same word to define to the, define the, the word. word. Yeah. Yeah, but see, to them, that doesn't matter. That's logic. That's reasoning. Like I said, we're in emotive la-la land. None of this is real. And so that won't matter to them at all, which that is something that Christians need to actually take heed to, because if we're at the door or if we're trying to witness to someone that is in la-la land, we're going to have to start thinking hard about how do we engage them? How do we remove those barriers? Yeah, definitely. All right. So before we go into this break, let me ask you this. A trans woman, woman. I think we have beat that horse to a bloody pulp, not so, just to death. I guess that's a no. That's a no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is the Removing Barriers podcast. If the podcast or the blog were a blessing to you, leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends. Removing Barriers, A Clear View of the Cross. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things Removing Barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, A Clear View of the Cross. All right, MD, so you said that trans women are not women. That's a definite no for you in your book. And I will say it's a definite no in my book as well. Me too. However, a lot of trans have turned to the Bible to prove that trans women or trans men exist. And one of the verses that they normally go to is a verse in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, which said there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. This verse is used by feminists, is used by the transgender movement, and is used to prove that gender is a social construct. What is Galatians chapter 3, verse 20 saying? Can we use that to prove feminism, transgenderism, gender is a social construct, everything that we're seeing in the culture today? Just went through and did a fast word study of that verse in Strong's Exhaustive, particularly in reference to neither male nor female, but they are all one in Christ Jesus. The male is in reference specifically to strong for lifting, according to Strong's. The female is a woman. 
Mm-hmm. So that's all that they are in terms of what the original language said. One is no gender at all. So it's not somebody crossed over from one side to the other. It is in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're all one. It takes me all the way back to Adam and Eve, but then it also takes me to we were created in the image of God, male and female created he them. Mm -hmm. I don't fully understand everything God tells us, and that's one where I think maybe I'm going to learn a whole lot more when I get to heaven. But I'm satisfied that in Christ Jesus, in his eyes, gender doesn't matter anymore. But it's not choose your gender. Right. It's not choose your own adventure. Right. I think that firstly we have to understand that, as you alluded to, MD, this verse is talking about our position in Christ, what position we have in Christ. So in the Jewish culture, and you see this short Galatians, because if you go back a few verses before verse 28, you can get the full context of what is going on here. but Sons, if we go back to the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, sons are the ones who inherit the wealth or get the inheritance from the father. And we see that throughout scripture. Right. The son is the one who inherits the wealth from the family. The female did not. What position did Christ put us in? We are all what? Sons. We are all sons. We are all his sons. Right. Whether our sex is male or female in Christ, now that we all have an inheritance. Right. Christ is the one who removed that barrier and say, hey, I know you, Jewish young lady, will not inherit anything from your family because you have a brother. But because you're in me, you're going to get an inheritance from the Father in me, the position that I'm putting you in. So a lot of times they will argue whether or not Christianity elevate women or not. Christianity is probably the only religion that elevate women well above what, if you want to talk about what the feminists want to talk about. Even when Christ resurrected, the first person who saw him was a woman. And of course, we know that a woman could not be a witness in the Jewish culture as well. But she was a witness of the what? The resurrected Christ. Now, her position in Christ here being one in Christ is that not only in Christ a woman was the first witness, but in Christ she has an inheritance because we are all one in Christ. So we are not Jew nor Greek. We are not male or female, but we are one in Christ. All of us going to get an inheritance in him. Right. And I think that if we look at it scripturally, of course, I'm sure there's some deeper stuff you can go into. Of course, we can talk about the fact that, you know, when he said there's neither Jew nor Greek, the fact that we know that Gentiles are grafted in, if you go back to Romans, I think Romans chapter 8, we like the wild olive branch that we were grafted in. Right. But of course, we know that Jews still exist and Greeks still exist. We know that male and female still exist. So he's not talking about the physical structure that we have in society. He's not talking about transgenderism. He's talking about our position. What do we obtain when we obtain salvation to Jesus Christ? We become now heirs to the Father. Because no way is to the Father. We are not sons. We are not daughters. We are one in Christ. I think that's what the verse is Well, saying. and I think that's why I said the last three words, in Christ Jesus. Because without that, in Christ Jesus, 
we have no other position. Exactly. Mankind without God is exactly what one of my wife's high school biology teachers said, just protoplasm. Hmm. No better, no different than a single-celled organism, or he likened women to cows, but he was misogynist, clearly. But his point was, and he didn't even bring God into it, he said there's no God. And so, well, here we are in a situation where we're looking at it, it says, our position in Christ Jesus, clearly if we have a position in Christ Jesus, there must be God, the Father of Christ Jesus, Mm -hmm. and that's where our adoption and equality even to Christ Jesus at that point, in terms of inheritance, comes in. So, in Christ Jesus is the most profound three words in that entire verse. And we need to be sure that we remember that this Christ Jesus was the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. And from the very beginning, as we said already, male and female created he, them. This is not a verse saying that gender doesn't matter and that you can be one or the other. This is a verse, as you said, MCG, that talks about our position in Christ, as you said, MD. And so to take that verse out of context in order to justify and explain their sin is just so egregious. And that's really something that we ought to be repulsed by, repelled by, and completely incensed by, because this Christ Jesus that they're using to hide or justify their sin is the same Christ Jesus who died on the cross to pay for that sin. For them to flaunt that is just egregious. What does the Bible have to say about transgender people, Jay? The Bible says a lot about transgender people, but in light of this podcast being the desire to remove barriers, The Bible says to transgender people that Christ died for them too, and they need to turn from their sin of gender ideology, of the entire LGBTQIA plus sinful lifestyle, and turn to Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, as I mentioned in the last question, died for them as well, and he will receive them if they will turn from their sin and turn to him without reservation, without hesitation, without qualification. But their sin. Romans 1 is very clear about the progression of sin and how they can profess themselves to be wise, but they are fools. I remember when I left the military and when I separated from the military, then I went into college. I initially went into a secular college, went to secular college, and I can't believe the professors that I listened to. They were obviously brilliant people, well-spoken, articulate, nothing like I am, and they could not understand basics. They were so wise that they were fools that they would even begin to try to justify or explain or qualify this position that men can be women, women can be men, that the idea of gender and sex are completely fluid or completely separate. They all believe, overwhelming majority of them believe that nonsense. And yet the scriptures say otherwise. And so I know that we mentioned it before about how did we get here, but Christians really need to be taking the word to the streets, to the people, to their doors, to wherever we meet them at the grocery store, to tell them what thus saith the Lord. MD? What Jay just said really resonates. I had a coworker who was a Russian emigre, grew up under communist society. She was Jewish. I attempted to talk to her about God and found that after 40 years in a society which had suppressed all mention of God for over 70 years, 
She literally had no concept. Mm. First time I've ever run into that. And this was 30 years ago. And I was at a loss. I didn't know what to say. Thought about it a lot. Tried to figure out a good answer to it. Still don't know that I have one. But I heard a missionary at our church just about three years ago say something that it was really interesting to hear a missionary say, here in America, we are often going to be speaking to people who don't understand the language of religion. They don't understand the concepts of religion, any religion, because they've just never heard it. Mm. We don't live in a communist society where the government has made almost a religion of its own out of suppressing any mention of God. And yet we've slid to that point. Mm. So the one thing that keeps coming to my mind, and I think you kind of alluded to it, is Jesus Christ himself hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. And that same Jesus Christ loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins, to pay for my sins, to offer me at no value from me at all, because there's nothing I could do to offer me salvation, cleansing from that sin. If he would do that for me, if he would love the sinner so much that he would do that for me, I can't do any less, no matter how difficult it is. I can't do any less than to love the sinner and hate the sin. Yeah. All too often when you try to speak to someone, and I know you two are aware of this, when you try to speak to someone in that sense, I love you as Christ would love you, but I can't accept that sin. You are banded, you are branded as being hateful to the individual because they've so identified with their sin. And to go all the way back to our beginning question, why is it so hard in today's society to define a woman? That is merely one aspect of so branded by the sin we embrace that we find it impossible to say, well, logically and rationally, so I have to change my thinking. Mm. Yeah, no, as I think about, you know, what does the Bible say about trans people? Of course, we, as you said, MD, we love the sin and hate the sin. But I know we have mentioned Dylan Mulvaney a few times and he did a skit or whatever he did and he said that he's struggling with God and stuff like that. But I think when a trans person say that God made me this way, which is what Dylan Mulvaney said and other trans people have said, God made me this way. When I hear stuff like that, of course, I can love the sin and hate the sin, but also I have to love my God as well. Mm -hmm. If you're saying that God made you that way, what I'm hearing is that you're saying that my God has made a mistake. Or it's right. God's fault God, that you, yeah. God couldn't determine that you are a woman, so he made you a man. So therefore you have to go through all these chemical and surgical changes to correct the mistake that God did. Right. And we know, of course, we can go to Psalms 18 and verse 30, say, as for God, his way is perfect. Mm -hmm. The word of the Lord is tried and he's a buckler to all those that trust in him. Of course, Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not the man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent, had he said, and shall he not do it? Or had he spoken, and shall he not make it good? That's the root issue. Well, one of the root issues with transgenderism. You're saying that God made a mistake. Right. And you're attacking 
your creator directly. So I can love the sinner. But if I'm going to be true, I have to be love my Lord and said, hey, if he made a mistake, he's not God. Absolutely. So either I'm going to believe him or I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to believe God because he said he doesn't make mistakes. Now, of course, we know that we have in society, we know people that are because of sin, because sin entered this world, we know that we have a gene pool that create different things in our bodies. Of course, we have what we call intersect, where people born with on this develop one sexual organ and one that's developed or whatever the case may be. And you, they call it intersect. At the time ago, they call them hermaphrodites and right. yes. stuff like that. So we know that people are born with an extra finger or extra toe or whatever the case may be. But the exception is never the rule. It's clear that when folks are born, that they're born with either a male genitalia or female genitalia, and either X, X, or X, Y. And God doesn't make a mistake. But we know sin has corrupted this world and stuff happened. And gender dysphoria is real. But to say that God made a mistake, which is what, to me, transgenderism is saying, I have to turn to the scripture and say, hey, my God can't make any mistake. Yeah. So it's really interesting that back to the DNA issue, roughly half the population has DNA that identifies as female, and roughly half the population has DNA that identifies as male. There's no anomaly there. That's, you know, it has always been thus. That's the way God made it. But where you find those abnormalities, when you look at the DNA, what you find is clear-cut, added or garbled strings in the DNA where you would expect to find this, you find this. The hermaphrodite. I have a nephew by marriage who apparently was born hermaphrodite. Intersec is the correct social separate term. <laughs> well, okay. Whatever the correct social term might be. I mean, biologically, and it caused him... No end of trouble, particularly because his mother identified him as female when the doctor said, what is it? He grew up as a woman. He's married to my niece now. And apparently he is a wonderful husband. But he's got no confusion about what he is either. He just happened to have some different, not being crude deliberately, but had some different plumbing. I knew a couple of guys when I was a kid growing up. One was a really good friend of mine who did have six fingers on each hand. He happened to have seven toes on one foot and nine on the other. Oh, wow. And he was a giant. In fifth grade, he was bigger than any eighth grader in the school we were going to. Happily, God also made him a very, very gentle man, because he could have broken any of us in two, including me, and I was pretty stupid, and it would have been easy for him to find a reason if he wanted one. Mm. But those, as you said, are aberrant. That's not the general situation. I almost said the normal, but says normal is just a setting on my dryer. So, and then she tells me I'm not sitting on the dryer, so it doesn't help me any. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap up this, I want to touch on one of the stuff that this transgenderism thing is causing an issue because, and especially men transitioning as women because we don't see it the other way around. And I wonder why that is. Well, tell me once I ask the question, should transgender women compete in sport against, quote-unquote, biological women? Since I can't even conceive of a transgender true woman, no, because that's a man competing against women. And there is no fair level playing field there. 
Why, did Leah Thomas have any advantage over Riley Gaines? Ask Riley Gaines she that She tied question. him. She tied him. Yeah, she did. But ask Riley Gaines that question. She made the statement in one of her news broadcasts mm-hmm. that Leah Thomas is actually an extremely poor swimmer, that she herself is a far better swimmer than her own husband, but that her husband could beat her any day of the week because of his superior strength. That Leah Thomas is actually a very, very poor example of a man, let alone of a woman. That's Riley Gaines, right? She's top in her field. So I guess she can have that opinion if she wants it. Yeah, and I would agree with her. I would too. You know, the funny thing is, growing up, right, I went to a co-head school. I don't know if you did as well at MD, but I went to a school where the boys and the girls did physical education together and stuff like that. I was a fairly good jumper in my youth. When I was a teenager, stuff like that. I would be able to clear a five-foot, six-foot fence by taking a two, three steps run and just clear that fence like nothing. And I think that was probably attributed to the fact that my brothers and I used to, you know, see who can jump over the highest brush or highest this or whatever the case may be. And the fact that I was probably, you know, 100 pounds soaking wet at that point, maybe. But I was a fairly good jumper. But I can't think of any of the girls in my class that could have even jumped three feet off of the ground, much less clear a five-foot or six-foot fence. I think we underestimate what puberty does in a man and a woman. For lack of a better way of describing it, as a woman gets heavier set as she goes through puberty, a man develops muscle as he goes through puberty. There is a vast difference. So for me, saying I outjump a woman bring me no glory, nothing, because it's expected. I think about Leah Thomas, whatever that guy's name really is. William Thomas. William. William Thomas. Okay, I think about William Thomas, and I think he stands up and he crows and he brags about beating a woman by a hair's breadth, if at all. Where is his sense of shame? That's exactly what I'm getting at. That's exactly what I'm getting at. So let me back up to prepubescence. I was second grade, third grade. There was a girl in my school who, with almost no encouragement at all, would take a a handkerchief and drop it on the ground two feet in front of her. Now, it's a little girl. We're third graders. Mm -hmm. And she would bend over backwards and put her head down between her legs and pick that handkerchief up in her mouth. Mm. She looked like a cobra, and she could do that all day long. And I saw her wearing jeans, I think, one day, and she was standing on one leg, and she took her foot, and she wrapped it clear up over the top of her head and put it under her opposite armpit. (laughs) I mean, I looked at that, and I thought, I was already beginning to understand science and physical structure. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, that's got to hurt. And she'd be grinning the whole time she was doing it. No pain at all. I have never, ever in my life seen any boy, let alone grown man, mm-hmm. who could even think about doing that without first thing he'd do is he would wince. And the second thing he would do is he would cry. And the third thing he would do is he would cry uncle and go away. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't even try to do that kind of thing. And there are grown women who... If they've maintained that skill, they still can do that. Physical difference in structure, boy, howdy. And so, again, go back to William Thomas. Where is his shame? 
He beat a woman. Yeah, boo-hoo. It was the other way around. If the woman beat you, you're ashamed. But if you beat a woman, it's expected. It's like, I think I told this in the podcast before. Even though we went to a co-head school during break, the boys go off and play among themselves, and the girls go and play their game because no boy ever wants to play whatever the girls are playing. You know, it's always boring, whatever the case may be. Not until you're in high school, and then it's no longer going and playing games. It's, I want to sit and talk to them. I want to, right. yeah. But I remember that we were playing cricket. I know to our North American audience might say, what is cricket? But during the break, we were going to play cricket. I've seen it played. Right. I and don't understand it, but I've seen it. All right. So I was batting, and, you know, I was a fairly decent batsman, you know, in my class. And they were having some difficulty getting me out. And they were this guy, he was already on the West Indies cricket team, meaning he's a professional cricketer at this point. He'd been paid to play cricket. He's on the highest stage of cricket. And he took the ball because he was walking through the school compound. And he took the ball and he bowled at me. And I remember the first time he bowled at me, I drive him back, right back over his head, right? For lack of a better term, Basically, I got a home run off of him, if you want to make an analogy like that. Let's say, not really a home run. We don't have home run in the cricket, but let's say I get a home run off of him. We're talking about a professional cricketer bowling at someone in elementary school or primary school, as we call it. And I hit him way back over his head. I drop my bat and I jump up and start celebrating. So I don't know if his feelings was hurt or he was ashamed or whatever the case may be, but he got the ball again and he bowled me out. Boo-hoo, who cares? You're a professional cricketer. I'm a school kid. Yeah. You know, a school kid has just driven you back over your head because you've been bold enough to took the ball to bowl at me and I drive it back over the head. As a professional, it's like a high schooler dunking 11 James. 11 right. James taking the ball and go back and dunking him. No one cares that 11 James can dunk on a high schooler, but a high schooler dunking 11 James, it's a different thing. That's exactly what I did. He bowled me out. Boo-hoo. It's the same thing. You swim and you beat some girls, or you run away and left some girls in a foot race. No one cares. You're a guy. If it was the other way around, yeah, we'll say, look at that girl. She's good. But no one look at Leah Thomas and say, hey, man, he's a good swimmer. No one does. No, and my point about where is his shame was you couldn't beat her any better than that, and you think that makes you special? <laughs> That's true, too. Could it be? Let me play a little bit of devil's advocate here a little bit. Men desire to be acknowledged and praised for their physical prowess, for their abilities, for what they're able to do. But because the competition is so fierce now, the men who can't compete, they're trying to find other ways to show their masculinity. To show their masculinity. And it just so happens by removing their masculinity. (laughs) It just so happens that transgenderism is a way to do that. We talked about how the algorithm really pushes stuff. Well, if you are a subpar male athlete, you can be a superior quote unquote female athlete. And that's why they're doing these things, not necessarily because they believe that they're a different gender. Again, we go back to the social media pushing or the algorithms pushing things as well. But all of that only matters if we boil maleness and femaleness down to our physicality. I know in a very fundamental sense, that's what it is, XX and XY. But as I mentioned before, there's so much more to being a woman that any other portrayal of womanhood is a caricature. What these men are doing in transgenderism is a caricature of what womanhood is. Womanhood is 
so much more than that. So if all we care about is the physicality of it, well, then the transgender people have a point, right? Well, devil's advocate here. The physicality is because now they're going over to compete against women in women's sport. So we have to talk about the physicality. We can talk about the fact that they have bigger hearts and higher lung capacity and stuff like that. Especially if they went through puberty as male, the gain in muscle density and bone structure structure, and all that stuff that we can talk about because that's what gives you the advantage in sport, the agility in sport. I've mentioned this before. Fallon Fox was an MMA fighter. He goes by Fallon Fox, but a transgender, like so male to female, what is that called? A trans man? Trans Trans woman. Trans woman. Okay, so male to female, trans woman who was fighting in the UFC as a female, but didn't tell anyone that he had transitioned and he was in there just ragdolling the women. It wasn't until afterward, I think he cracked the skull of one of his opponents and they realized, okay, something's not right here. Going to figure out that he's actually a man. If I remember straight, he's been banned from the UFC and he doesn't fight the UFC. I think he fights in other smaller promotions, but there is definitely that danger there because of the physicality of men. It just makes no sense. It's actually a danger to women to have them compete. Well, and then there is the high school volleyball player who one of the boys who claimed to be a woman playing on the opposing team spiked a ball into her face. And she apparently is very near quadriplegic. Because of that? Because that of surf? the damage, wow. because he crushed the frontal bone. Mm. Apparently, he drove bone spikes into her brain while he was at it. It's hard for me to imagine being able to hit a volleyball that hard, but apparently he did. And the damage he did to her will be with her for her life. There's no repair. Wow. The internet has a long memory. Recently in Doha, there were, I can't remember if these were Worlds or Olympics, but anyway, there was a championship sprinting. I think it was relay, and it was mixed. There were men and women on the team. And all of the different countries that were competing had staggered their men and women running. I think they had all the women run first and then the men run last. I think that's how they had it set up. The only country that did it differently, if I remember straight, was Poland. Poland had a woman running the last leg. And so the way that it lined up, this woman was running up against all of the other men of the countries just because of how the other countries had their teams staggered. And so she got an incredible head start because, of course, there were men running before her. She got an incredible head start. But by the time the other men in all the other countries got their batons and started to run, every single one of them passed her and she ended up dead last. That's the difference in the physical power between men and women. And I have yet to see a country set up their mixed relay team that way ever since because she was a phenomenal sprinter for a woman. But running up against men, even the slowest man caught up with her and she was dead last. And so there's no denying the difference in physical ability between men and women. And so they certainly should not be able to compete in sports together. Yeah, here's the pushback, though, because you bring up that hearing Riley Gain had recently at Capitol Hill. There was this lady, I don't remember her name, a black young lady that was defending trans women competing against biological women. And one of the things they brought up was Serena Williams and Venus Williams, whether or not Serena could beat or if a man could beat Serena Williams. And I think one of the logical fallacy that she used was, she didn't put it this way, but this is a picture I get from what she's trying to say. If a random man off the street decided to go and compete against Serena Williams, would Serena Williams beat him? Obviously, I think sure, she, I think she would. going to 
beat the snot out of him. I, think, I, I think used to would. play tennis, so I know a little bit about what's involved. I was never good enough to even think about playing her. Right. I've never played tennis but in my I, life. But I do know <laughs> enough about what goes into it. Right. I've never played tennis in my life. Growing up, we have this thing in the level we call hand tennis, which is different from tennis that you use a racket with. But other than that, I've never played the type of tennis. Well, I, I lettered my freshman so. and my sophomore years in tennis. So I guess the point is this, because Riley Gaines, if I go swim against Riley Gaines, I'm sure she will beat me. I'm not a competitive swimmer. I can swim to save my life. If you throw me overboard, I can stay afloat long enough to get help. You know, if help come in five minutes, maybe. <laughs> but And I don't know what Riley Gaines' ability to swim long hours is, but she would beat me all hollow in any kind of a race because I am so slow. Right. But I have stayed afloat for more than 12 hours at one point. Yeah, I've never done that. I'm not something I want to do, but... Well, I don't want to ever do it again either, so... I guess my point is this. If I go and compete against Riley Gaines, obviously she will beat me. Of course, I'm older than her, but even if our age were the same, I'm sure she would beat me because I'm not a swimmer. I played basketball in high school. I played cricket. And I did some running. I don't do any competitive swimming. So I'm simply saying you can't just grab any old guy off the street and any athletic woman and say, hey, well, just to prove that gender doesn't play a factor, let me put MCG against Serena Williams. Of course, Serena Williams are going to win. It doesn't prove anything. Serena Williams is at the top of her game. Get someone who's a tennis player. Even that, Serena Williams, Venus Williams competed against the 203 ranked men tennis player and got whipped. So, you know, Serena Williams even said it herself on a late night show that she couldn't beat the top ranked tennis player. And even that, a bunch of high schoolers beat their USA women's, well, we say football, but you guys are soccer, team. Beat them, hands down. Mm-hmm. High school boys. Yep. So you have to compare apples with apples and say, this athlete here and this athlete here, one is a woman, one is a man, even playing field, who's going to come up better? 99.99% of the time, the man is going to be better. That's fact. That's not saying women are not good in this sport or whatever. That's fact. Yeah, I don't know whether the numbers are absolutely accurate, but I absolutely agree with you. That is a fact. A man physically has an advantage. And we're back to that whole issue of can you force me to believe or agree with your emotional opinion? Ain't happening. (laughs) Sorry. You could see how this isn't reality-based anymore. This isn't logic anymore. This is emotive ideology. Do you stand with ideology or do you not? When John McEnroe, who's a retired tennis player, stated the obvious that Serena Williams wouldn't stand a chance against a male tennis player, they brought him onto one of these talk shows. I think it was CBS Mornings, maybe the Today Show or something like that. And the way that they interacted with him Basically, they didn't give him a chance to explain what we all already know. They just kind of stared at him and just said, would you like to apologize? And that was it. So the unstated there is you went up against our ideology and you shouldn't do that. Don't you want to apologize or face the wrath of the media engine or be canceled or be this that or the other? And impressively, he stood his ground and said, "Uh, no, because I'm speaking reality, you know, and he appealed to the only man on the panel who actually does play tennis as well and says, bro, you know that what I'm saying is true. And you could tell how deeply set the ideology is because the man just kind of 
avoided the issue, kind of skirted and looked away because he didn't want to be canceled. So I don't. Because he's a wuss. Yes. Yes. That's the. <laughs> absolutely. That's because he's absolutely a wuss. But the ideology is there that kind of binds people into saying what they know not to be true, even though everyone else is saying it. So, MD, should Christians respect these arbitrary classifications like trans woman, trans man? Should we be accepting these and respecting these? I don't believe we should. We don't have to be acidic about our answers. We don't have to be snarky or sarcastic about them. But I don't believe we have license to lie. And if we embrace what we know to be a lie and repeat it, we are lying. Well, of course, Proverbs twelve twenty two, lying lips are abomination of the Lord. First Corinthians fourteen forty two, for God is not an author of confusion. I think that's one of the big one right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, and I mentioned Psalms eighteen to verse thirty. As for God, His way is perfect. Right. Let's wrap it up and tell me, how should actual women feel about what is going on in today's culture? I'll shoot that to you, Jay, and then we can go to MD. <laughs> Me being the I don't think I'm going to have an answer to that. <laughs> I think that women should be incensed and insulted by what's going on in the culture today. The caricature that these transgender people are making of womanhood and then the allowing of men into so-called female spaces that allows them to be defeated and humiliated in such a fashion. I think that women should, at the very least, should not agree with what's happening. We are primarily the ones raising children in society, and I think that we would be doing our children a significant disservice if we tell them that there's no difference between boys and girls, that you can do everything a boy can do, a boy can and should do everything a girl can do or should do. I think that as women raising the next generation, we really should take heed and not allow the lies to be taught to our children. We shouldn't be the ones feeding the lies to our children. And I think we've done that for many, many, many decades. And the chickens are just coming home to roost at this point. Because for so many decades, we've told girls that you can be whatever you want to be, no consequence, no this, no that, no barrier, no limit to you. And now I think biology has come and slapped us in the face. And now we're realizing, oh, this is the end result of what I've been trying to instill in my girls. The feminism that I taught them has given rise to this three-headed beast called transgenderism. I think that women should actually feel, as I mentioned before, incensed, insulted, outraged, and that we should be fighting against it. But as Christian women, we should absolutely be fighting back, not with activism, not with those different types of tools, but with the Word of God. The Word of God, our children just completed VBS. They talked about the armor, the Christian armor, and the sword of the Spirit is absolutely what we need to be fighting back with. The Word of God has answers for all of these things that we think are hard questions, difficult questions. What is a woman? What is a man? What are their roles? What should this, 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 or that be? The Bible has answers for all of those things, and it would behoove us as a people, as a church, as the church, as a nation, take heed to God's Word and stand on it. MD, your grandfather, your husband, You have two daughters, many granddaughters, only one wife. That's absolutely true. (laughs) 50 years with that lady, and I don't know why she hangs around, but But yes, sir. How should women feel about today's culture? I know you're not a woman, but... I think my wife and my daughters and daughters-in-law 
several of my granddaughters who are old enough to express it, probably express it very, very well, and I think they would agree absolutely with Jay. And from various age perspectives, they might express it differently. Some are not yet mothers, but they're looking forward to being mothers. Some are mothers already. Many of them are. There is a role which they themselves have embraced. If you ask my wife, do you work? Oh, don't ask her that unless you want to get your ears chewed. (laughs) But she has, in fact, God has blessed us in that she has never had to hold a commercial job outside of the house. But does she work? For crying out loud, she works. Because she is, as you noted, since I'm a grandfather, she is a grandmother. She cares for our granddaughters. She cares for our grandsons. We have a small farm, and so I go outside and I work on the farm. I split firewood, I drive a tractor, I mow. The girls clamored to learn to drive the tractor, and they do, which is fine. They like to do that. But I go outside and I wrench on the car. And the girls are not laying under the car with me with wrenches in their hands, but when he was two years old, had a wrench in his hand and was turning bolts under the trailer with me. But when he gets hurt, He goes in the house to find my wife. The nurturing that you mentioned earlier, Jay, the soft side. I have to leave the house often. I spent the entire day away from home today. That was common when my kids were little. And my wife held the house together. I'd come home from work. I'd come home from a week-long trip. And the warmth and the glue and the softness and the love were still there Still present, still evident. And I think any woman who looks at the transgenderism, especially since, as you noted, MCG, that it's mostly men wanting to try to be women. And then, Jay, you talked about the caricatures. I think women ought to be absolutely appalled at that. And I know my wife would be. I know she is. We've talked about it. But as I noted, we have a nephew by marriage who was raised as a woman is a man now, and we love him. Well, let's be clear again. He was born intersex, and yes, so yes, it's not like he transitioned into. No, no, no. It was there was no choice on his part about any part of that. Right. You know, this song comes to mind when I think about it. It says, "All my life, I had a longing for a drink from some clear spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within, feeding on the hearts around me." Till my strength was almost gone. Long my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy. But the dust I gather round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. Hallelujah, I have found him, whom my soul so long have craved. Jesus satisfied my longing. Through his blood, I now am saved. I think what the culture is looking for. And we see all this transgenderism thing is satisfaction. They're looking for something in their life that they can just find that rest in. And I'm not a woman. I would agree with you that a woman, if I were, that they should be appalled of what's going on. But if we take a step back and look at it, I wonder if these people are looking for satisfaction. And they're trying to find it in all the wrong places except in Jesus Christ. I honestly believe that they just want a drink from some clear spring. Looking for satisfaction, acceptance, 
some place that they will only find it in Jesus Christ. They have to come to that point where they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, where they accept his love and mercy that he has for them. I think about 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Before you can get to that point where Christ creating you a new creature, you have to do what Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 says. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And Acts chapter 8 and verse 22, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart might be forgiven thee. Luke 13 verse 5, I tell you nay, but except he repent, he shall all likewise perish. The problem here is that the transgenders are looking for that satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ. They have never come to the point where they repented of their sin and they're trusting Christ as their Savior. I would just encourage, if you're a transgender listening, I doubt that we probably would have any, but if you happen to be, my encouragement for you is to turn to Christ in repentant faith. The Bible makes it clear in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 13, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is my encouragement to you today, is to trust Christ, turn to him in repentant faith, and be saved today. All right, MD. Thank you very much for joining us on the Removing Barriers podcast. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Thank you so much for listening to the Removing Barriers podcast. Make sure to rate us everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. Thank you for listening. To get a hold of us, to support this podcast, or to learn more about Removing Barriers, go to removingbarriers.net. This has been the Removing Barriers podcast. We attempted to remove barriers so that we all can have a clear view of the cross.